Welcome to another inspiring message recorded at Rivers Church. I read a fascinating story about a 33-year-old Indian man by the name of Murugan. He did something ridiculous. He went to the local zoo and he went to the lioness enclosure, climbed over the fence and tried to engage the lioness. Well, lucky for him, the guards who were on duty were sharp. They jumped over the fence and managed to divert the lioness and distract her, and they rescued him and pulled him out of the enclosure. Well, you can imagine, when he was out of the enclosure, all the people who saw this happen, including the guards, asked the most natural question, what was he thinking? Well, clearly he wasn't. How many of you know most of us don't think? We respond and do things emotionally, even dangerous things in our lives. I was uh, looking at a headline from a newspaper from 2007, and they reported on uh, the defense minister of Israel. He had visited the Golan Heights with the, one of the generals, and they were watching troop maneuvers. And uh, the defense minister, Amir Perez, was with the, def- with the general, and both of them were watching through binoculars, except that the defense minister didn't take the lens caps off. <laughs> well, the newspaper and CBS News rightly asked the question, what was he thinking? Clearly, he wasn't thinking. Today, I want to look again at part two of the series we began last week, Create a new year through new thinking. Not only should we think, we need new thinking. Are you with me? And it's so important that we don't respond in life emotionally or by impulse or by urge or, let me be really serious, by lust. We need to respond rationally. Do you realize that in our world, every advert that you see or that you encounter in the news, on print, is designed to move your emotions? Car adverts, they don't tell you about the technical specs and how strong the car is, how many kilometers you're going to get out of it. No, it's, it's, it's a sheer driving pleasure. Apparently one brand says that. You see, it's the experience. Coca-Cola, taste the feeling. Because if you really thought about it, you wouldn't drink a can with 10 spoons of sugar in it but it appeals to your fear. When it comes to ice cream, Ben and Jerry's, I mean, it is super delicious. But what their slogan does is it gets you not to think. One of the slogans is, if it's not fun, why do it? How many of you can't just do things that are fun? Can't just be married while it's fun? Can't just pay off your car while it's fun? The bank calls you, say, it's not fun anymore. (laughs) They lock people up like, like that, don't they? You've got to pay your bills, you've got to go to school, you've got to study, you've got to go to work, you've got to stay married. You can't just live according to feeling. You live rationally according to truth. Another slogan of Ben and Jerry's that they use sometimes is, eat away your feelings. <laughs> Guess what? Your feelings go, but something else stays. <laughs> you know, I find it fascinating that most companies are targeting like that. And one of the most famous companies in the world is Nike. Their slogan, which most of you know, is just do it. Just do it. It's interesting where that originated from. Way, way back in 1988 at an advertising firm headed up by a man called Dan Whedon, him and his associates came up with the slogan, 
When Dan Whedon was questioned, where did you get this brilliant idea? Because this slogan, they say, is one of the top five slogans of the 20th century. It's been inducted into the, into the Advertising Hall of Fame. Where did you get this idea? How amazing is it? He said, I got it from a man who was a, 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 a multiple murderer called Gally, Gary Gilmore. He heartlessly murdered two people. Then when they sentenced him to prison, he said, no, I don't want to go to prison. Just kill me. Just do it. Now, when you see that and wear it on your shirt, it's just, you know, just get. I don't think so. Big companies are telling us, okay, you know, take action and don't, don't procrastinate. But on the other side, if we're being moved all the time not to think, guess what? We're not going to think. And we're going to do stuff that's massively detrimental, and we're not going to create a good new year. If the sports companies are saying this, it's not surprising sportsmen do crazy things. Michael Phelps is one of the most famous sportsmen of all time. A great swimmer. Went to the Beijing Olympics, came back with eight gold medals, Brought his tally up to 14. In the end, he had 28 altogether, the most decorated Olympian of the modern games. Talk about fame. People worshipped him. The girls are dribbling. <laughs> Sponsorships in the millions of dollars, fans in the millions, and, uh, and the world his oyster. But he goes to a party, and he, on a dachabong, and someone takes a picture. And they sell it like they do to a London newspaper. The newspaper didn't say he smoked grass and that was bad. They said, how could he do this mindless thing? What was he thinking? He went on to be arrested twice for drunken driving and got quite heavy sentences. They had to do community service. And they asked the question, what was he thinking? Well, clearly he wasn't thinking. He didn't sit down and say, hang on a minute, Michael, soul. You have X amount of gold medals. You're one of the most famous people in the whole world. You're getting endorsements and sponsorship. You need to watch out. If you're going to bong, it's going to have to be in private. No, he, he didn't think it through. But guess what? Maybe he got the go-ahead from his sponsor who told him to just Now we love Nike and I wear Nike things, so you know, that's not the issue. The issue is we need to think. And Christians must not be guilty of not thinking. Now let's begin where we finished off last week. I want to read these two texts because they're important to us here. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. As you can see, the young people are following this theme into the year. In the beginning, God created. We must never forget that. The heavens and the earth. So God is a creator. And then it goes on in the chapter to talk about how he created man, later how he created the animals. And then the summary in Genesis chapter 5 and verse 1, when God created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. In other words, we should do what God does. If God's a creator, you should be creating. You shouldn't consume and use up your world or maintain your world. You should go into your world and make it a better place. You should go into your suburb and make it a better place. A Christian's home should be painted. So I don't have the money. Spend less money on shoes or clothing. You should represent and improve your world because God creates and you create on his behalf. But it says here, he created them male and female. 
Do you know why he made male and female? He wasn't interested in sexual pleasure. He was interested in purpose. They were meant to reproduce. I create you so that you can create in your world. We've turned everything around. No, we focus on pleasure because we don't think. We just go by desire. And God says, no, I've created you to think and I've created you to create. Listen, to create your world. But before you create your world, create your inner world. Think, because everything comes from thinking. So last week I dealt with 10 things, and I want to give them to you quickly because it's very important here that we remember them. Number one, I spoke about thinking about thinking. We don't think about thinking. We just think. No, no, you need to think. What are you thinking? What is going through your head? Because every deed, every action, every success, every failure comes from a thought. Every invention comes from a thought. Everything comes out of our thinking. So we must think about thinking. Number two, thoughts create destinations. Where do you want to be? Well, your thoughts are going to take you there or prevent you from going there. Wherever you find yourself today, your thoughts took you there. Can I say this? If you've broken up your marriage because you got involved with someone else outside of work who was not, who was not married and, 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 you, and you then slept with them and it broke your marriage up, don't complain about where you are. Your thought about, hmm, took you there. But we're so, just do it. Go with your gut. No, don't. That's guts in there. It's not brains. People tell you, go with your gut. No, that's, that, there's dirty food in there. Go with clean thoughts. So thoughts create destinations. Thirdly, thinking affects outcome and the satisfaction of everything. If you're not enjoying your world, you know, don't wait until the world's changed or your job's changed or your, or your husband or wife's changed or you get the right car. You just change your mind. You just look at your car differently. I want a Mercedes. I want sheer driving pleasure. I, I need a BM. No, look at the Toyota and say, thank you, Jesus. For the gift of God, I have transport. I don't have to use a taxi. It's in your thinking. So where do you want to go? How do you want to enjoy life? Do you just make a decision? Hmm? Number three. Sorry, number four. Number four, get into the habit of thinking. It's got to be a habit. You've got to wake up in the morning and think good thoughts and think. Number five, get around people who stretch your thinking. The worst thing you could do is to only mix with the people who think the same way as you. They like the same political party as you, the same food as you. They have the same negative perspective. Don't. Get people to stretch you. Your life will never go forward. Then get around people who have kingdom thinking. If you constantly mix with unregenerate people, you'll have unregenerate thinking. God saves you, but you renew your thinking. He doesn't renew your thinking. He saves you, you renew your thinking. Well, how do you renew your thinking? Number seven, let the word shape your thinking. And the word's got to shape it because it takes time. Number eight, get away from people with negative thinking. I know they'll tell you they're realists. No, they're just negative. Number nine, train yourself to learn to think. Because most of us don't even think about thinking, but you've got to train your mind. Your mind has pathways. And then number 10, this is important, a successful year is created by successful thinking. Some of you are wondering what the year will look like. Don't wonder, just think right. Think biblically, think positively. Think optimistically, get around people who stretch you, and guess where you'll end up? A destination, because everything starts with a thought. Now, years ago, John Maxwell wrote a little booklet. I had it in my library, and I pulled it out again, because I've been reading a number of books on thinking. And the book's called How Successful People Think. He mentions a whole number of things, 
And uh, he says these are the combination of things that you, ways you need to think. These are the skills you need in order to think correctly. Well, I've taken one or two of them and I've put my own content under them and I think they're valuable. If you can embrace these ways of thinking, guess what, your year will be amazing. You will create the year you want. So are you ready? Let's see how far we get through them this morning. Number one is big picture thinking. You've got to have the big picture or you'll only focus on small things. A lot of people don't stay married. Can I say this again and again? They don't stay married because they only focus on immediate pleasure. No one is going to look at you when you're 65 and say, it's so wonderful, I've watched you as you've gone through five marriages with five different men, five different women, and it's amazing. How many children have you got now, 18? Gee. <laughs> Come on, church. You know I'm being silly and sarcastic. What do people do? They admire you when you stay married. They admire you when you endure. Why? Because you've got a big picture view. I've got to live my life as an example. I can't live for my feelings. Some people go to work. I'm not working here. I don't need this place. I'm out of here. But guess what? They don't pay for their car at the end of the month. And their house gets repossessed. Yeah, but I just had to, you know. Yeah, you just did it. You can have the big picture of you. I'm fed up here. Maybe they are treating me unfairly, but I can't live impulsively. I've got to live thinking, big picture. Hmm? You can't just walk into a shop, hey, I, I'm worth it. How much? No, I'm just, I'm worth it. No, you have to have the big picture. Are you wanting to buy a house? Are you saving for a car? Are you wanting to go on holiday? You have to think. Christians go to the auto bank and the slip comes out. Oh, the devil's in here. No, 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 no. No, the devil's not in here. There's nothing in here. You have to keep the big picture in mind. If you're studying, you can't go to parties. Maybe once in a while, you, they, they, they're gonna text you, call you up. You gotta keep the big picture in mind because you can't go out and stay till three in the morning on your feet dancing, maybe some Christians enjoying substances they shouldn't, and then you're gonna come back and focus. No, you're not. You've got to say no to that because one day you'll be standing on a stage with a cap and you'll be getting the diploma. And all the red-eyed friends of you will be like, oh, that's cool. I wish I... No, you were bonging while I was studying because I had a big picture view. As a Christian, you've got to have a big picture view of church. I'm not going because the parking is too crowded. And I saw an image up there and, I, you know, I didn't agree. No, you can have a big picture view that the goal here isn't to be everyone in their right little seat, in their right little parking place, not being touchy. It's about the souls being saved and being baptized every month. Come on. And too many of us are focused on present pleasure and our needs instead of big picture thinking. Your thinking has to get you big picture to your destination because God's got something much better for you in this coming year. Are you with me? Let me explain it to you like this. A traveler was once traveling way back in the 1500s and as he passed a quarry, he noticed men in the quarry chopping some stone out of the side of the quarry and he wondered what were they doing? So he went down to the quarry and he asked the first man, what are you doing? And the man looked at him like, are you dumb or what? And he said, I'm chopping a stone block. 
I said, okay, I didn't get much information. Went to the second man, and he said, what are you doing? He said, I'm chopping a stone block, and it's got to be very accurate because there are many stone blocks that have got to fit next to this one, and I've got to make sure mine's right. He went to the third man because he thought, this is not helping me. He said, what are you doing? He said, I'm building a cathedral. See, you go to work every day, and I've got to, I've got to you know, they just expect me, you know, and there's no one to help me, and the phone just rings, and <laughs> isn't that what we do? Instead of, hey, I'm building a life, and it's a bit of a nuisance, and it's very tough, and people are on leave, and, you know, they don't pay me enough, but, you know, I've got my eye. You see, this is why I wrote a book called Success Beyond Circumstances. Success despite circumstances, because your thinking takes you over the circumstances, but if you think short term and you don't think big picture, you won't get there. Am I making sense? Number two, the second way of thinking is possibility thinking. Everything starts with a thought. So you have to think possibilities, not problems. What can be? Not what is, what can be. Are you with me? You've got to start dreaming. And you've got to condition your mind to dream because maybe your mind's been conditioned by the way you grew up. Maybe you grew up where nothing was possible. Maybe some of your school shoes weren't even possible. No, you need to begin to think, you know what? When I grew up, school shoes weren't possible, but one day I'm going to have a whole row of shoes in my cupboard. Good quality. Not just going to buy from the cheap shops one season and then you throw it away. No, no, I'm going to have leather. I'm going to have some Italian. Possibilities. One day I'm going to have a car. Oh, it's only rich people that have got, no, 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 you think possibilities. Not, 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 not next year, maybe not two years, but five years time maybe. Dream. Possibly, you've got to break the train of thought that keeps coming. So you, you know where you come from? People like you. Women don't. No, 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 no. My thinking elevates me. Laws don't get me there. You can pass gender laws. You need thinking that takes you way beyond what's legislated. I notice you barely clapped there. It's almost like, mm, maybe. <laughs> Listen to me, church. I can pass all sorts of laws. What's in your head is what counts. Look at this verse here in the Message Bible, 1 Corinthians 8 and verse 7. It says, some of you have spent your entire lives eating idle meat and are sure that there's something bad in the meat that then becomes something bad inside of you. So the way you think about something determines your thinking. Can you see that? Now, like what he says here, an imagination and conscience shaped under those conditions isn't going to change overnight. You've got to change your thinking by being trained to think differently. We've always been impossible. Our family's always struggled. You know, we've always been poor. My mother never had a house. My parents never ever had a car. No, but I'm going to be the first one to qualify. I'm going to, be, I'm going to have a car. In fact, I'm going to buy my mother a house. Think possibilities. But you know what the problem is? We, we, have, we have the wrong worldview. It's very interesting. As I, as I studied this topic and I thought about it, it's fascinating how there are only two worldviews and most people's worldview falls into the negative. What are those two worldviews? The first one is malevolent. That, that, that is the negative worldview. And then the positive one is benevolent. Malevolent is this. You believe the world is malicious. It's out to do you harm. You wake up in the morning, I'm ready for your world. You get in your car, you drive out, yeah, yeah, yeah. You go to work, yeah, customers, people. 
world sucks. The economy is against me. You get a punch. Yeah, I knew it. I knew it would happen. That's just my luck. And you live thinking life is bad. You could expect the worst. Or you have a benevolent view. God is good. Life is for living. You have troubles, but gee, by this opportunity. You know, I can expect God, despite circumstances, to... And guess what? Same world, same country. Different thinking. Possibility thinking. Do you know that 90% of the world thinks malevolent? Business is bad. Marriage is bad. This country is bad. You've got to be different. You're a Christian. Because God is a benevolent God who loves to do his people good. But if you don't think that, it won't happen and you won't receive it. Are you with me? Number three, realistic thinking. Is this helping anyone? Realistic thinking. Number three. You see, people often will bring you to realistic thinking, but it's not what, I, it's not what you think it is that I'm going to say today. People say, oh, you need to be a realist, you know. Some people are positive and they're optimistic, but I'm a realist. In other words, you're negative. Realistic thinking, listen to me, is not just knowing what is, it's knowing the truth of life. Do you know that most people don't know the truth of who they are, why they're on earth, the truth of who God is, and the truth of how the world works? They're living with a kind of a view, and they call themselves, I'm a realist, you know. Unless it's built on biblical truth, you're not an actual realist because what's real is what God says is real. Am I making sense? And truth is what's real. Most of us don't like the truth. It's too painful. It confronts us. And realistic thinking is very important. It's a foundation upon which you build possibility thinking. You, you know what God says, you know what the truth is, and then you build. I love what uh, Shel Silverstone said. He's an American author. In talking about optimism, he says, if the track is tough and the hill is rough, thinking you can just ain't enough. So you can't be in debt and you can't be in a mess and then say, next year I'm going to be a millionaire. You're talking nonsense. I should lock you away. No, you, that's, not positive, that's not possibility thinking. You're not being realistic about how you got to where you are. You're not facing the truth of, I messed up big time. There's going to be a bit of a journey here. It's because we don't think, we just act. People are deep, watch them, they're deep in debt. They say most South Africans spend their, their, their salary within five days of getting it. Why? Because we're not thinking. We get in debt one week into the month, let's eat out. Yeah, no, it's been a hard week, eh? January's been tough. I came back from holiday. Yeah, and then they go out, spend a thousand rand, thousand five hundred rand, two thousand rand, three thousand rand that they can ill afford, and that tank just gets full and full. Lord, miracle offerings coming up. Let me put money in. I hope they all line up, Lord, so that I can. No, you ain't gambling. God isn't a machine. He's going, go to, ch go to church, my child. He speaks in a gentle whisper. Listen to Pastor Andre. He will share the <laughs> word with you, my child. Come on. You know what I'm saying? We need wisdom and realism. We need to know the truth about God, the truth about life, and the truth about ourselves. Hmm? Ted Koppel said this about us and the truth. He said this. He said, our society finds truth too strong a medicine to digest, undiluted. In its purest form, truth is not a polite tap on the shoulder. It's a howling reproach. 
Do you, do you know that most people, can I, can I remind you, most people don't love God and most people don't think that, yeah, it's great that you go to church. Most people hate the truth. You say, how do you know that? I think you're being a bit harsh. I go to the Bible for my advice and my truth. And the Bible tells me in John chapter 3 and verse 19, God's light, Jesus, came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light for their actions were evil. We've got to be realistic about who people are, who we are, the fact that the heart is deceitfully wicked. We are sinners, and yet we need to expect God's grace. If you don't start from a place of realism, nothing else you think will make sense because you're missing an important component. I read a book called Factfulness, a very interesting book. If you're in business, I suggest you get it. Written by a man called Hans Rowling. His wife, Ola, participates in the book. And uh, he, what he does is he does seminars and he speaks to people about a positive outlook about the world in general. And here's the interesting thing. He asks 12 questions at every seminar he goes to and he, and he gets the people to respond, raise their hands. Sometimes he uses a piece of paper. And this is what he asks them. And he asks his highly educated people he's dealing with. Eh? Seminars are business people, first world, especially Scandinavia. And he says the exact same thing happens at every single seminar. The people who are the most educated from the most sophisticated countries get the lowest scores. In fact, Norway gets the lowest score out of everyone. And those are questions he asks. There are two billion children in the world currently. How many children will there be by 2030? Most people say six billion. We're going to have a massive problem. He says, no, the truth is two billion. But most people are negative, so they cast the worst case scenario as though it's the truth. And he goes on, talks about poverty. He says about poverty, let me quote the statue, I don't want to get it wrong. He says, is poverty increasing or decreasing? Most people say, oh, it's increasing at a terrible, the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. He says, no. Uh, in 1999, it was 29% of the world that was in dire poverty. Currently, it's only 9%. Everybody's getting elevated into a kind of a middle class. See, we feel everything. We don't think it. He talks about AIDS. Is AIDS improving or getting worse? Most of all, it's getting worse. No, it's actually almost, they, they, they get eradicated. Talks about suicide. Talks about um, um, capital punishment. Is it increasing? Yeah, yeah, I know. There are far too many people being killed. No, actually, it's decreased. Only 2% of what it used to be 10 years ago. And on and on he goes. And he says, he asks these 12 questions, and the most educated people get the answers wrong because they're not thinking. They are reacting out of an unrealistic and negative worldview. Christian, you cannot be like that. You need to know the Bible, and you need to know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Number four, the fourth one is this, strategic thinking. Do you know what strategic thinking is? It's the opposite of wishful thinking. Too many people wish. Now you need to strategically think. How am I going to get to where I want to be? Some of us plan our holidays with strategic thinking, but we don't plan the rest of our lives. You've got to think, as I say on TV, you've got to think by design. You don't think by default, not whatever thought comes into your head, you've got to think by design. This is, how I want, this is where I want to be, this is how I'm going to, do, this is how I'm going to, I'm going to save, I'm not going to do that. I've had to do that, I have to do that with my life. I have to think strategically. What is my year going to look like? How many times can I travel? How many times can't I travel? How many times can I preach? Will I have enough time to write? Will I save? What am I going to do in my house? I'd like to do a few improvements. How am I going to do that? Where am I going to cut corners? I'm not going to take tithes and offerings. No. So how am I going to do that? Okay, so I'm only going to buy that. And I'm, and I'm not going to go. And I'm going to go into the guest shop and I go, how cool are these? But I'm not, I don't need them. 
strategic thinking. Where he's like, oh, yeah, I know, you know, I should wear new clothes. You know, I'm on the platform and everyone's looking at me. And you know, I, I deserve it and, and I've worked hard. No, 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 sorry. No, no. I have, to tell, I have to tell this soul to be quiet while this leads. Strategic. Where do you want to be? Because you can't have everything. Are you thinking about where you want to be? Hmm? I love what uh, Gary Collins, he's a Christian coach, he said this. He said, it doubtless is true that people become what they think about. You want something, the more you think about it strategically, it will become. If you don't think about it, you don't just end up there. So you have to think about your business, how to make more money. You have to think strategically. If you're in a job, you don't just think, yeah, I'm gonna corner the boss and I'm gonna really hammer him. No, you're gonna have to think about another alternative strategically to increase your income. Study more. You have to think how to be more disciplined. Hmm? You're gonna buy a car. You better think about it strategically. Don't just walk in and, yeah. You know, it's the only one on the floor, and it's only that color. Oh, no, I just knew God was. No, no, the devil's behind me. Because <laughs> one day when you're enslaved, and you come to your senses, then you realize, oh, I didn't think. Hmm? Number five, reflective thinking. Are you getting something out of this today? Reflective thinking. That's to mull over something and to ponder before making a decision. To think about your life and the mistakes you've made. People say if you make a mistake in a relationship, you get divorced, you, you, you go bankrupt, don't just do it into the next relationship or the next business. Reflect. What went wrong? How do, what can I improve? If you're putting on weight, you need to stop and reflect. Oh, yeah, my mother, you know, my mother's also big like me. No. Maybe you and your mother are big because you're eating the same food. You have to reflect. <laughs> Apostle Bill and I constantly reflect on our health. What are we eating? Did you put on weight? Oh, I did too. I went up 0.6. Wonder why. Oh, it's reflecting. It was last night's North Indian food <laughs> with all the cream in it. Chicken tikka masala. Hmm? And, uh, and Grosh, Rosh Groban, no, no, um, Rogan Josh. <laughs> it's all, you have to, because then you have, the next time, it, should we get Indian? No. Because no, the world is telling you, just do it. Eat your feelings away. Taste the feeling. No, no, then when I end up in a different desert, how did I get here? That's the government. It's, it's my friends. It's our church. It's the devil. No, we didn't think. What were you thinking? You clearly weren't. Reflective thinking helps you. How did I get into debt? Reflective thinking will show you that. Hmm? Am I making sense? You're gonna succeed in relationships. How can I progress in my job? Reflective thinking, not, re not impulsive, negative, blame the boss. Hmm? We have reactive thinking instead of reflective thinking. Do you know the Bible tells us in the Psalms constantly? Have you seen that word in the Psalms? Sila. What does that word mean? It means this, pause and think about this. The Bible's saying when you read about who God is and what he can do, you need to stop and reflect. Because if you don't, your emotions will rule you. Fear will rule you. But if you read and you think about it, next time problems come, you go, hang on a minute. I read in Psalm 32, was it? Soul. Soul. 
Just chill out. Don't get into a panic. Because you've reflected. Look at the psalm here. Quickly, Psalm 32 and verse 6. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely, in the rush of great waters, under pressure, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Think about it, baby. Think about it, baby. Don't look for the next promise verse. Think about the fact that when you're under pressure, he's done it before, he'll do it again. Just, just. You see, your thinking changes your life. Are you with me? And we do need to reflect. Epictetus, the great Stoic philosopher, said, it is not external events themselves that cause us distress, but the way in which we think about them, our interpretation of their significance. It is our attitudes and reactions that give us trouble. Can I, can I, can I just say this? I want you to reflect on your week. Monday is a good day. It's not a bad day. And, and don't get in, thank God it's Friday. No, no, every day should be a special day with unique things. Monday should be your opportunity to step back into opportunity, back into work, back into your studies to take the next leg of creating on God's behalf and improving the world. Don't get to the end of the week, I'm so glad I don't have to do nothing now. Thank God it's Friday, I can just eat and drink and walk around in my short pants and no, you don't live your life. You live your life thinking strategically. Am I making sense? Strategically and reflectively. Do you think you've got time for one more? Got to do it in two minutes. Don't laugh or clap. I'm kidding. One more. Yeah, popular thinking. We need to know what popular thinking is. Some of us only know what popular thinking is. We've lost sight of Christian thinking. But we must know what they're saying in our culture. The only thing is we mustn't be swayed by it. That's why you mustn't spend all your time on Instagram and Twitter and watching the news. Because your environment will con control you. Just by the way, did you know that an oak tree, if you put it in a small pot, it only grows a certain size? Nothing wrong with the seed. Nothing wrong with the seed. In fact, the oak tree can grow to a massive tree. Isn't that true? But if you put it in the wrong environment, that environment will rule it. And some of you are not growing because popular thinking is ruling you. Popular thinking says if we get the right political party in this country, we'll be amazing. No, it won't. They can't get it right anywhere else in the world. So that's not the right thinking. We need to believe that God puts the right people in place. So it's not just as simple as it sounds. We can't just go with popular thinking. How many of you have ever looked at an old building and on the top of the old building there's a clock and above it there's a weather vane? Anyone seen that? Most old buildings. It's interesting. Both of those things give you information. The one tells you about the, the direction of the wind and it tells you about the weather. The other one gives you information about the time. Wait, the one is driven by wherever the wind blows and gives you information based on that. The other one is not affected by the weather at all. It's driven by its internal excellence. Tick-tock. The wind's blowing, it's raining, it's sunny. It still tells the same time. Are you driven by the wind to change direction? See, that's what pe people are saying to me. The church should flow with the times. No, we don't. We have our internal clock. We can't say, oh, it's the 21st century. An hour is going to be an hour and 10. Now, there's an internal thing. 
So we know where the wind's blowing. Jesus said, you have heard it said. He knew popular culture. Then he said, but I say unto you. Be very careful, because people have said, you know, the church needs to flow with the, the trends in the world, you know, with this and that, and, and, and we can't be stuck in the past. You know, and we're so old. No, 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 we're a clock. We're not a weather vane. We know what they're saying. We fully understand it. But sorry, we tick-tock with God's truth, which is exact. Are you with me? Don't be blown about. You need to stick to God's truth. I love what Frank Costello said in The Departed, that movie. You know, Jack Nicholson, he's a crazy oak. But he says this, I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. If someone could say that in The Departed, surely you as a Christian should understand that you were created to create. I'm nearly done. I want to quote you one more. Harry Blemeyers, he wrote a book called The Christian Mind, and I'll quote some more of it next week, but he said this. He said, we 20th century Christians, was written a few years ago, have chosen the way of compromise. We withdraw our Christian consciousness from the fields of public, commercial, and social life. When we enter these fields, we are compelled to accept for purposes of discussion the secular frame of reference. Don't, church, know what it is but don't be blown by it. You need possibility thinking. You need reflective thinking. You need to know what popular thinking says, but you need to have God's kind of thinking. You know, your thinking will determine where you end up. As I close off this morning, let me just tell you two important things. Do you remember the woman with the issue of blood? Do you know how she got healed? Jesus didn't go to her. Jesus didn't find her. She didn't even ask Jesus. You know what the Bible says in Mark's gospel? She thought to herself, if I just touch his garments, I'll be made well. She had right thinking about who God is and what God could do. And that brought the power of God into her life. Some of you are not experiencing the power of God and the blessing of God. You know why? Because you're thinking wrong about who God is. Right thinking, right results. When you think right about God, you end up in heaven. It's not good works. Repent. Think differently about who God is and how salvation works. Oh, I used to think it was works. No, no, you need to change. You need to change your thinking, change your direction, and believe that Jesus is Lord. Oh, I do. You shall be saved. Everything starts with thinking. Everything ends with thinking. The world and your destination ends with thinking. That one more thing. You still with me? In Florence, there's an amazing museum. And in that museum is the statue of David. Now, don't tweet or write me cards. Because children are allowed into that museum. Okay, let's just enjoy the picture. <laughs> that statue is 5.2 meters high. I mean, it's pretty tall. And Michelangelo took four years to produce that statue. When he did it, they said it was one of the greatest masterpieces ever produced in the entire world. And they went to him and they said to him, how did you do it? He said, I found a block of marble lying on the side of the road. And when I looked at it, I saw David inside. He said, I simply removed everything that wasn't David, and out came David. Now, here's the thing, what God wants to do with you, he sees Christ formed in you. He sees your future, he sees what you can be, but guess what? He's got to remove everything that's not Jesus, and you've got to work with him to renew your thinking. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.